0: Welcome to Redwood Christian Church. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kurt, and it's my honor to get up here and get to speak with you all each week, especially right now as we're in the midst of this stay-at-home order we have here in the state of Oregon. Wherever you might be joining us from today, um, I'm not sure what your circumstance is. We're in week three now of this stay-at-home order. It's not a hard shelter in place yet, but uh, stay-at-home is what we have been told. I'm just really curious, though, as we're into this now, What is your stay-at-home or quarantine situation looking like for you? Now, be careful how you answer that, because the person that you are watching this with could partially maybe determine how you answered that first question. So so don't get yourself in trouble. If it's not going well, and and, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, maybe you just keep it to yourself, just think it, you know, (laughs) I'm curious too, guys especially, because again, we're three weeks into this, and if you're like me, uh, you need a haircut every so often, how is your quarantine barber situation going? Now, I have to admit, in the last few weeks, I've got a new barber. I kind of like her. She seems all right. Um, Did a pretty good job on my hair. But uh, Stephanie from Tucker's, if if you're joining us at all today, I will be coming back to see you one of these days when this is all said and done. I, I like my current barber. I hope that her and I can remain friends when this is all over with. But Stephanie, I will be coming back to see you as soon as I can. We are in week three, again, of this this stay-at-home order. We're in week four, though, of this series called Wind and Fire, where we've been looking at the Holy Spirit. Now, as as we talked about the Holy Spirit the past few weeks, we've talked about a few things, such as his personhood of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's not an it or a thing. The Spirit is a who, is a he. Uh, The Spirit has a personality and wants a personal relationship with you, and maybe, maybe in, in your mind, sometimes you have a hard time not calling the Spirit it, as opposed to he or who. Try that, maybe when we're done with service here in just a bit. Uh, guys, go talk to your wives and, and say, uh, yeah, well, it's in the kitchen right now taking care of lunch. When you regain consciousness, you know, let me know how that, that conversation went. But we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, week two, we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And how the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and we're promised comfort and counsel and conviction, uh, guidance in times that are difficult, and and correction in times that we need that. Last week we talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit and how specifically the Holy Spirit in your life transforms your life and it gives you uh, freedom and it, it gives you hope and it gives you confidence over your past over your enemies. Went through Romans chapter 8. If you missed last week, I'd really encourage you to, to go watch our service from, from last, last weekend. Very powerful time. And I'm curious today as we sit here, and if, if I were to ask you uh, th- this particular question, where have you noticed the Holy Spirit's presence in your life the most? You're probably going to say one of those areas that I just mentioned. Uh, you're going to say, you know, I really just feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit, especially right now because I'm stuck at home and I'm just I'm depressed and I'm lonely and I know the Spirit is there with me. And that's very true right now in this day and time. Or for maybe for you, it's, it's, man, I just really feel that freedom. You know, the Spirit set me free from addiction and set me free from my past. And, man, if that's you, that's awesome. That's such a great testimony to have, such a great tribute to the way God releases you from sin's hold on your life. Uh, for me, I would probably answer it with, with two parts. I notice the Spirit's presence in my life most often in, in counsel or guidance. In other words, when I have decisions to make, the Spirit lays things out in front of me that helps me understand this is the right move, this is the right call, this is the right decision. That's, I've seen that both personally and here at the church too. I, I know this, when I'm left alone to make all the decisions, I don't have a great track record. I need the reliance of the Holy Spirit. And thankfully for me, the Spirit guides me and counsels me on those decisions in life. But I also notice the Spirit's presence in my life through conviction. When I'm starting to drift off course just a little bit, or when I'm doing something wrong, I'm getting that continual tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit, just nudging me gently, sometimes, sometimes a little more forcefully, back in the right direction. I'm wondering, though, how many of you would say, no, Kurt, I don't notice the Spirit in any of those ways. I notice the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's what we're going to talk about today is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, the title of this series is Wind and Fire, and if you know anything about wind and fire, you know those are some powerful forces of nature. I've told you this throughout the series. I grew up in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, we know a thing or two about wind, and I have seen the destructive forces of wind firsthand. About 13 years ago or so, just north of of my hometown, there's a small town called Pitcher, Oklahoma, and by the mid-2000s, it was almost a ghost town. Just a small handful of people lived there. Almost everybody had been moved out by the government because Pitcher is a very contaminated area due to lead and zinc mining back in the mid-part of the 20th century. But a tornado came through Pitcher, and what was left of the town was wiped out, and I remember being in, in our hometown, and we could actually see the storm just about six or seven miles to the north of us. And after it blew through, my brother and I kind of heard what happened, so we jumped in his car and we drove up there. And we couldn't get into the main highway in Pitcher; it was already blocked by a highway patrolmen at this point in time. But we got in the backside. Kind of by where the high school is. And I remember driving through this neighborhood. And these were small houses. They were probably abandoned at this point anyway, but they were just gone. Like very little debris, even. You know, you might see a two by four here, or uh, some glass there, or, you know, little knickknacks from a house here and there. But by and large, they were gone. And I, I just remember looking around in amazement like, wow. And even my brother just kind of held his hands up and goes, where is everything? It was just gone. That was the destructive power of wind. That was actually one of the stronger tornadoes on record. And it blew through a a town that by and large had been deserted already. But we've also here in Oregon seen the destructive power of fire. In fact, we see that almost every summer, the destructive power of fire off to the west here. We see it out in the mountains, kind of out in some of those valleys, when a wildfire sparks up and there's really no answer for the wildfire. We just have to pray for rain because our our, our fire crews, their best bet often is to do what? To backburn, to go in and and take away the fuel that this fire is going to uh, consume as it moves forward. So they burn some of that off, but those forces of nature just rage sometimes out of control, sometimes without any regard whatsoever for anything else. The power of the Holy Spirit is much the same way. The power of the Holy Spirit, it it runs forward into the kingdom of God, and if if you're not ready for it, it's going to knock you out of its way to accomplish its mission. That's what we want to talk about today, is how can we be ready for it, so that we can embrace and harness the power of the Holy Spirit and use it, use that power, for the good of the kingdom. You may say, well, 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 how do we need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in the kingdom? Well, the simple answer is Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish work in the kingdom. So I probably do too, and I'm going to guess you do as well. In fact, when we look at Jesus and what Jesus did in the Gospels, you see very little that Jesus actually did without the Holy Spirit being active. In fact, we read right off the bat in Luke chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit was there. Right after his baptism, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. When Jesus starts his ministry, the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is active. When Jesus preached, the Holy Spirit was there and was active. And in fact, we even see in Acts later on that when Jesus performed miracles, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask the question, because this is what we're going to talk about today. How does the power of the Holy Spirit impact us to work for the kingdom? Now, wouldn't you love it if there was just a simple little manual or simple little guide for the Holy Spirit? Almost, you remember those, those old books, like those for dummies, those complete idiots guides? Don't you kind of wish there was one of those that just showed us exactly what the Holy Spirit does? I mean, I, I do. I grew up learning a lot about the Holy Spirit in churches, and I still don't feel like I have the Holy Spirit completely figured out. I know some of you grew up in a church where it was hardly even talked about. This was a topic that was just kind of off limits a little bit because it was so misunderstood. And often we kind of even neglect the Holy Spirit and forget that he's part of the Godhead. That's why several years ago, Francis Chan wrote a book called The Forgotten God, All About the Holy Spirit. Great read, by the way. I'd recommend it. So today we want to look and answer this question, how can we utilize the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish good works for the kingdom of God? There's two areas in particular that we can look at to accomplish this work. The first is through our abilities. Through our abilities. Romans chapter 12, we read these words, For we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, we refer to these as spiritual gifts. And if you've been in the church for very long, you probably at least are aware of what spiritual gifts are. Now, maybe you don't know the specifics of them or what the list looks like, but you're aware of the the idea of spiritual gifts. Now, in Scripture, especially the New Testament, you find three spots where spiritual gifts are mentioned. But here's the problem with those three spots, those three lists, they're all different. And even if you compile them all together, you really don't get a good comprehensive look at what all the Spirit is capable of. Now on that list, you're going to see things like wisdom, teaching, uh, administration. You're going to see things like hospitality and discernment and prophecy. Uh, You're going to see those types of spiritual gifts show up. But is that everything? Now, if you were to look at me and say, or if I were to ask you what, what are my spiritual gifts, you might say, well, teaching is one of them. I, I would agree with you. But, but what we do with spiritual gifts often is, is we just give somebody this test, and we say, here, take this. It, it's kind of like, you know, the DISC assessment or Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram. We fill out these questions, kind of this survey uh, about ourselves, and that gives us our, our answers. And by and large, they're probably pretty accurate. But again, are those all the gifts that we have? What about music? We just experienced a time a few moments ago of worship through music. You don't see that listed on any of the spiritual gifts charts, but would you call that a spiritual gift? The ability to play the guitar or sing or play the piano. I mean, I would count that as a spiritual gift. Uh, What about uh, physical skills, like carpentry skills? Would you call that a spiritual gift? I would call that a spiritual gift. I saw that through my grandpa. My grandpa could build anything. And once he became saved, he started building everything for the church. In fact, there was a time where you could go into the church I grew up in and almost every piece of of wood up on the walls he had built. What about humor? Is humor a spiritual gift? Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think that I'm funny, for example? Do you find me humorous? If you do, I'd like for you to text my wife and tell her that you find me funny. If you don't find me funny, you keep it to yourself because honestly your opinion doesn't matter to me. That's a joke, by the way. And it was a funny joke, so you should have laughed and agreed with my first question and texted my wife and let her know that you find me hilarious. But see, here's kind of the point I'm getting to with all this. Often what we call spiritual gifts are kind of natural abilities to begin with. There's something that we're good at that we can do and we kind of hone that in. Uh, Me, for example, I've always felt comfortable standing in front of a room of people talking or talking into a camera like we're doing right now. I've always felt comfortable using my voice and my my communication skills to get a message across. Our music team, uh, these folks have always uh, felt comfortable expressing themselves through a guitar or through the drums or the piano or with their voice. Many of you have skills and abilities you have always felt comfortable at. Now, maybe you've learned how to do these better over time, but the point is, it's something that's natural to you. But you see, here's kind of the catch. You, you may say, well, I had this ability before I was a Christian. Cool, that's great. When it becomes a spiritual gift, is not just that you have it, not just that you're saved, but, but it becomes a spiritual gift, not when God gives it to you, but when you offer it to other people. In other words, you can say it this way, spiritual gifts aren't meant for you. Spiritual gifts are meant for you to give to others. Go back to that verse in Romans chapter 12. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. God gave us grace. Why? So that we could give grace to others. To forgive us, yes. To restore us, yes. But he wanted us to show that same grace and that same love to other people. So think about this when it comes to spiritual gifts. God doesn't give you your spiritual gifts for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom. God wants you to make him famous through what you can do. And you may say, well, again, Kurt, I've had this ability my whole life. I mean, this wasn't something that I got when I was baptized. No, of course not. Or maybe you say, you know, I didn't know how to do this, but I've really worked my tail off so that I could learn how to do this. I've worked my my tail off just to accomplish everything I have in life. You know what? Maybe God gave you the spiritual gifts of determination and a strong work ethic. Maybe God gave you the determination or the spiritual gift of, of, of taking pride in what you do so that you can get better at it. Because you, we all know this, right? There are some skills that we have really, really practiced and worked at to try and hone in to get as good as we possibly can. Now there's some things too we practice and try to get good at, and we just can't. No matter how much I practice and try, I'm not going to be on the PGA Tour. Like I might become a decent golfer, but that's never going to become like, a super duper skill for me, right? Ability, God gives us ability and it's up to us to utilize that ability. And yes, sometimes we want to take that ability and practice it and hone it and make it better. Why? Because we want to refine our gifts so that we can use them for the kingdom of God. We want to use these so that we can point people to Jesus. Now, maybe you've prayed this prayer before. Maybe you've prayed for certain spiritual gifts that God didn't give you, and you've asked for them. You're like, God, well, if you would just let me sing, well, give me, give me a great singing ability, or, or give me a great speaking voice, I would go do this. Well, there's two things to say about this. First off, God gave you different gifts than he gave me, and he wired you differently than he wired me. That's Okay. Because if everybody had the exact same strengths as me, that probably means everybody has the same weaknesses as me. And guess what we're accomplishing for the kingdom? Well, basically whatever I can do on my own. Because we've got a bunch of me now, and we don't have any of you. See, we need complementary pieces. We need people who can do things that I can't. And, 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 and who, whose who's strengths overcompensate for my weaknesses. That's what we need in the kingdom. But the second thing we need is this. You might pray, God, if you would just give me this ability, I would go do this for the kingdom. It doesn't quite work that way. Because you see, God has given you specific abilities and he's going to open doors for those abilities to be used. In other words, you say this, if the Holy Spirit gives you an ability, he'll give you an opportunity. A great example of this is found in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we read the story of Philip, one of the apostles. Now, Philip is in the, uh, Samaria, having a very successful ministry in Samaria. And while he's there, the Spirit tells him, Philip, it's time to leave. You're going to go to Gaza. And while he goes to Gaza, while he gets there, shortly after he arrives, he runs into an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this is an important person, and he's being uh, led in a chariot. And when Philip comes up to this Ethiopian eunuch, he discovers this guy is reading Scripture. And he has a question, and he needs help with it. Philip just so happens to be there. And, and while they're going, he, he leads this Ethiopian to an understanding of the gospel. And the Ethiopian decides, you know what? I want to get baptized. And there just so happens to be a pool of water right by the road where they're driving. Is only like a coincidence to you? Or does it sound like maybe, just maybe the Holy Spirit put Philip where he wanted him to be at the right time? The Spirit gave Philip abilities. And because of that, he opened the door to opportunity for him. So let, let, me, let me say this to you. If you're a baptized follower of Christ, you have a spiritual gift. You may say, well, I don't know what it is. Start with number one, what are you good at? And number two, what do you enjoy doing? Because I, I, I believe this, God wants to use you the way he wired you. He wired you for a reason. In fact, I always like to say this, God created you on purpose for a purpose, And he gave you gifts and abilities for a reason. And then he gave you desires for a reason. So take those two things. Take what you're good at and take where you see a need and see where those overlap and where those intersect. That's your ability, or I'm sorry, that's your opportunity to use your spiritual gifts for the church and for the kingdom. Sometimes you're gonna find those opportunities here at the church. Sometimes you're gonna find those opportunities outside the church in the community by serving through the schools or by serving through a community group or by serving with an organization in town. Maybe, maybe just maybe you serve out of your home. This is a great time right now, especially if you have the spiritual gift of hospitality or, or of, of, of encouragement. This is a great opportunity right now where we're living to express that ability Because there's opportunities all over the place to bring joy and encouragement and hope into the lives of people who are scared and feeling lonely and feeling hopeless right now. The Spirit gave you abilities, and because of that, He will give you opportunities. Because the Spirit has given you abilities, the second thing the Holy Spirit gives you through His power is boldness. Let me ask you this question right now. This is a bit of a personal question, but I'm going to ask it for you. When you find those opportunities to use your abilities, what do you pray for? Do you pray for protection and comfort and safety, or do you pray for courage and boldness? Now, I ask you that because I, th- I think that's an either-or. I don't know that it's necessarily a both-and. I don't know that you can truly pray for boldness and courage and also pray for comfort and safety. Because you see, here's the thing, folks, I I kind of understand this a little bit. You see, I am very, very comfortable right here on this stage. Now, whether I'm speaking to this camera, to you all through uh, your computer right now, or to a room full of people, I'm very comfortable right here. But if I get into a one-on-one situation, I'm not nearly as comfortable. That, that for me is, is much more difficult. It's, sometimes it's intimidating for me. And you may say, well, Kurt, you're a pastor. You know the Bible. You've got degrees on your wall. That doesn't matter. Because I have this in the back of my head that in our conversation, you're going to say something that I'm not going to have an answer for. And that I'm going to look silly for. Or maybe, maybe even worse, I'm going to tell you the wrong thing and lead you the wrong direction. See, when I'm up here, it's comfortable. Why? Be- because I'm in control of the situation. I'm in control of the conversation. That's comfortable for me. So again, let me ask you the question. What do you pray for when you're praying for those opportunities? Comfort and safety and protection or boldness and courage? Because the power of the Spirit's going to give you boldness, but it's going to require you to take a step in faith. See, I think often we pray that God would give us an opportunity and he would take care of us in the process. But but folks, I I don't think it works that way. I don't think it works that way at all. In fact, I think it works more the other way. If we have the courage to take that first step, God's going to roll out the carpet for us. In fact, you could say it this way, boldness doesn't lead to opportunity, opportunity leads to boldness. In other words, we see that opportunity in front of us, and we have the courage to take that step, that's how God works through us. A great example of this is found in Acts chapters 3, 4, and 5. Very famous story that maybe you've heard of, even if you don't really know the Bible. Acts is such a great book for for seeing how the Holy Spirit works because it's in Acts the Holy Spirit shows up in the lives of the believers and fills them. Acts is where the church starts. And so very early on, the first few weeks of the church, we start reading this story in Acts chapter 3 about Peter and John. They're going to the temple in Jerusalem. And while they're walking into the temple, there's a, a lame crippled beggar on the temple steps. Because he's crippled, he's not allowed inside. You see, the Jews thought that somebody who was crippled was being punished for their sins or the sins of their parents. And so he wasn't allowed to go inside the temple and worship. And, and like he does, he, he's asking for money. You know, maybe we've seen this here in Grant's Pass. We see this a lot, especially there by Walmart. There's almost always people out asking for something. And you kind of know how it works, right? If you've made up your mind, you're not going to help them out. You just kind of put your head down or Maybe magically have to change the radio station at that moment in time. Or, or oh man, I just got a phone call. I got to take this phone call or take this text message, you know. I'm not supposed to be doing that while you're driving, but, you know, that's what we do sometimes, right? But this, this beggar, he gets the attention of Peter and John, and Peter locks eyes with them. And the beggar asks him a very famous question Do you have any gold or silver? And Peter gives a very famous answer that we probably all know. I don't have any gold or silver, but what I do have, I give to you. And he reaches out and he grabs the beggar's hand and he tells them, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And instantly, instantly that beggar's legs just are strengthened and healed. The bones and the muscles and the tendons and everything just come to, to, all the way to, to strength. And he jumps to his feet and he runs around jumping, worshiping. And he winds up going into the temple with Peter and John. Now, now here's kind of where the story takes a twist because the Pharisees, you know, those guys who crucified Jesus, who didn't like Jesus, well, they don't like people healing other people in the name of Jesus or anyone preaching in the name of Jesus. Because, you see, to them, Jesus was a revolutionary. He was a radical. That's why they crucified him. That's why they put him through torture on the cross. And so they go and they accost Peter and John. They actually arrest Peter and John and the the, the crippled beggar. Like, this guy did anything wrong. They arrest them and they take them to the the courts. And while they're there, uh, Peter says these words in Acts chapter 4. If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and we're being asked how he was healed, then know this... You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. They gave Peter a chance to backpedal. Okay? They give him a chance to say, you know, that Jesus thing, yeah, I was just dabbling, I don't really mean all that. And instead of backing down, Peter doubles down. Peter doesn't just say, yeah, it's all about Jesus. No, he says, that that guy Jesus whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. He wants to make it very clear that he's on Jesus' side, and he really doesn't care what all these people here think about that. And in fact, he goes on in verse 11. He says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, and he has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's some pretty strong words. Again, for someone whom these Pharisees had just crucified. But it goes on, look at the response of the Pharisees, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, what were they astonished by? It wasn't by Peter's knowledge of the Bible. It wasn't by Peter's speaking ability. It wasn't by Peter's charisma. No, they were astonished by the courage that Peter and John had. By the courage to stand up. That courage, folks, that that courage comes from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just Peter being confident or cocky. No, he has the Holy Spirit in him giving him that boldness to stand strong in the face of of the rejection that he's getting. And they even note that these men aren't educated. It says they are unschooled, ordinary men. You know what the Greek for that word unschooled is? Like, I don't have to translate this for you. You're going to know what this Greek word means when I say it. It's the Greek word idiotes. Now you can cut the last little syllable off there and you know exactly what that word means in our culture. It meant the same thing in their culture. In other words, these men are dumb. They're not smart. They're not educated. And yet they are speaking power into this room. Folks, understand this. When you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't need other qualifications. You don't need to have every word of this Bible memorized. You don't need to know the Greek or the Hebrew. You don't need to have diplomas on your wall. You just need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to have courage and boldness to stand out and use the gifts that God has given you. That's it. See, I think of it this way. When you have the courage to step out in faith, the Holy Spirit will lead you to amazing opportunities to build the kingdom. If you think about this, because the Holy Spirit has given you an ability and an opportunity, but at the end of the day, it's up to you. It's up to you to step out and stand out in faith in the world. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said these words, but when they arrest you, that's some comforting words from Jesus, right? Not, hey, you might find trouble. No, when they arrest you, here's what he says, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Every single Sunday, before I come to this stage, I go into one of our side rooms right over here just in those last couple minutes before I come to the stage and I say one final prayer over my sermon. And every week I say the words, God, speak through me. Let me get out of your way and you speak through me. Now, does that mean when I speak, you're hearing God's voice? No, you're hearing my voice. Just like when you read the Bible, you're reading the words written by the writers of scripture. The spirit spoke through them though. Now, I'm not trying to compare myself to a writer of the Bible. Please hear me out. But what I'm saying is my ultimate prayer is, God, use me. I am just a vessel. I am just a mouthpiece for the Holy Spirit. You see, too often what happens is the Spirit comes into our life and equips us and even gives us the boldness, but we just don't step aside and let Him work. We still try to do things on our own, or maybe worse yet, we just ignore it. And we forget that that's the Holy Spirit urging us on. In fact, I'd say this, if we miss out on what the Spirit wants to do through us, it has nothing to do with our faith. I'd say it this way, our greatest hindrance isn't the Holy Spirit's ability, it's our availability. What do I mean by that? I mean, maybe the Spirit has given you a skill, and He's opened a door, and you're not willing to walk through that. Maybe it's not the most glamorous service position. Maybe it's serving in an area of the church that you don't really want to serve in, you're good at it, and there's an opportunity there, and, and God could use you, maybe that's not what you're thinking. A good example of this is a few years ago. I got roped into, and I use the term roped into because this is not my strong suit, but we were still in Oklahoma, and I, I got asked to help with VBS. Now, understand this. There's a reason I preach to adults, <laughs> It's not because I think I'm too good to work with kids. It's because I'm not good working with kids. And in particular, I got second and third grade girls. Now, at this point in time, I had one child, and I think that she was about two years old. I didn't know how second and third grade girls operated. I have a second grade girl now. I could probably handle that a little better now than I could have then. Thankfully, I was like the number two guy in the room. We had somebody else who was kind of the lead teacher. But if you would have just said, hey, Kurt, do you want to serve second and third grade girls? I would have like, nope, that is not happening. But I, I saw a need and I filled it. And I got to tell you, folks, by the end of that week, I had, had hung out with those, those girls. We had played games at VBS. We had done lessons. They had probably taught me more than I taught them. That's the spirit. And, and, and a couple of the, the, the children in the room, I knew their parents. Their, their parents were friends of mine. They came up to me later and said, man, they were so happy to have you there. They can't stop talking about what you guys talked about in VBS. And I thought, man, I don't even know what I was doing. (laughs) I was just kind of there. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The the power of the Holy Spirit worked through me (laughs) and and helped those children out. Almost every week I preach a sermon. And and that sermon's got a theme to it. And sometimes it has a big idea. In, in, In Bible college we'd call this the dominant thought. Like that's kind of the thesis statement of our sermon, so to speak. And so I've got kind of this one focus that my sermon drives toward every week. And almost every week, somebody comes up to me and goes, man, when you said such and such, that really hit me. And I'm like, that wasn't even the main point of what I was taught. That was a side note. Okay, that, that was just something to kind of emphasize my point. But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke to the person in the room and let them hear what they needed to hear in that moment in time. Not to say that they missed the point of the sermon. Now, sometimes that happens, but that person didn't miss the point of the sermon. No, the Holy Spirit used my words in a way that I wasn't even intending. Remember what I said earlier? God speaks through me. (laughs) That happens. That happens almost every week. And I'm just kind of in amazement at it because it's nothing that I'm doing. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through me. So let me ask you a question, church. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you? Are you willing to do that this week? Are you willing to take that step out in faith? Now you may say, Kurt, we can't really do a whole lot right now because we're, we're stuck in our houses. I get that, but here's some things you can do this week. You can talk to someone about the gospel. You can talk to somebody about the gospel through FaceTime, through Facebook. Right now, it's never been easier. Uh, we can use Zoom. We can use, you can do a Zoom conference call or we can do a FaceTime call or a Facebook messenger call or Skype or or you can be posting things on social media. Are you willing to talk to somebody about the gospel this week? Let me ask you a second question. Who are you willing to invite to Easter this week? Easter service is next Sunday. And yes, we're gonna have a similar setup. We're not gonna be meeting here together on Easter. So we're gonna be worshiping wherever we are. One church in many locations next week. Who are you inviting to Easter? Now maybe, maybe you can work it out where you can bring somebody over to watch Easter with you. If not, who are you going to tell about our services? Who are you going to direct to our Facebook page or to our web page? Who are you going to point towards Jesus on Easter? That's, that's a question. Let me ask you a third question. How are you willing to stand boldly? Now, This is a tough one right now because again, we're kind of quarantined, but this quarantine's not going to last forever. And when we get out of this quarantine, we're gonna make some stands and some statements for the gospel because God's gonna move through this time period like we've never seen it move before. And, and when this is all over with and we're back to normal, how are you gonna take your stand with with boldness and with courage, not worrying about who's staring down the other end of that barrel pointed at you? Are you willing to take that stand? Go back to the story of, Peter and John, because as you get through Acts chapter 4, they are released from prison. And as they're released from prison, uh, the, the, the religious leaders tell us, uh, say to them, okay, we're going to let you go, but don't ever do this again. That Jesus guy never mentioned his name again. You go home, you go be good little Jewish boys, follow the law like you're supposed to, and, and don't give us no more trouble now you hear. And of course, that's exactly what Peter and John do. They go home, they they get new jobs, uh, they they work as fishermen and carpenters for the rest of their lives, and we don't ever hear anything else from their story again. That's not what happens, you know that. No, what do they do? They go back with the other apostles and with their close followers, and they start praying. And folks, Acts chapter four has quite possibly the most powerful prayer in the Bible. Because you know what they prayed for? They were just arrested, remember the context here, they were just arrested, just accused of of preaching in Jesus' name and just warned and threatened, don't do this again. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says, in the the end of their prayer, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, now what did they not pray? What would you and I have prayed? We probably would have prayed, hey, make those Pharisees go away. (laughs) Strip their power. Take them away. God, uh, rain fire on them. Protect me. They didn't pray any of that. No, God, ignore them. Give me boldness because I'm going to go back after them and they're going to be coming back after me. So give me boldness. Give me courage. Let your name be known. And their prayer rocked God so much that he shook the ground underneath him as they prayed. Folks, what are you willing to step out in your faith for this week? Uh, we're in an uncertain time and place with our world right now. We know this and I know that many of you are in fear. I'm getting messages from from many of you throughout the week that you're just fearful because of what's going on in the world. You're fearful with your health. You're fearful with your job. You're fearful with the future. I understand that. And please don't hesitate to send me those messages. There is nothing wrong with admitting that you're living in fear right now. I'm here to help you through that. And we have other people who are here to help you through that. We are in a very uncertain time that we have not seen before. But church, hear me out the opportunity to boldly stand and proclaim the word of God and proclaim the name of Jesus has never been greater in my lifetime. Maybe not in yours either. And this is our opportunity to take a stand in whatever platform we can and show the love and the power and the majesty of Jesus to our world. We have to be willing to take that stand. And folks, don't wait for the opportunity to find you. You take a step in faith and God will put the opportunity in front of you. He'll show you which direction to go. Think about this today because today is is Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem for the final time. And as he rode down from the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley a couple of miles, I got to see this a few years ago. It's, it's, it's incredible because when you're on the Mount of Olives, you can see onto the Temple Mount and vice versa because there's a valley in between there. And all those religious leaders that were there on the Temple Mount, they saw Jesus coming. They saw the parade. They saw the procession. There is zero chance that they missed it. And all those people lining up and down the road, waving their palm branches were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna at Jesus as he rode in, proclaiming him Lord, proclaiming him King. But then just a few short days later, those same people were shouting, crucify him. Why? Because they got swept up in the world around them. And even the followers of Jesus, his disciples, all but one of them ran and hid out out of fear. Now, thankfully, those disciples got courage in the coming days after the resurrection But in that moment, they got so caught up and swept up in their fear that they ran and hid. Peter, the same Peter that just proclaimed his name and said, come at me, Pharisees, that same Peter denied even knowing who Jesus was. And he ran and hid. Folks, in this time, this fear that's gripping our world right now, this uncertainty that's gripping our world right now, I really wish I could tell you what is coming tomorrow. I really wish I could tell you uh, that that in one week we're going to have all this figured out and there's going to be no more deaths from this and all those who are sick are going to be healed. I wish I could tell you that. I can't. But what I can tell you is this, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and that he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that through him and through the power of his spirit, we can face down our fears with boldness, with courage. We can face down this uncertain world with boldness and courage. And we can make a stand and we can make a proclamation in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your Holy Spirit. God, we are so thankful for the power that he gives us. Lord, that he equips us. God, that he strengthens us. God, that he gives us boldness. So God, I pray today that we would look at ourselves, we would find those opportunities, Lord, to serve your kingdom. And God, we would do this without fear, without anxiety, God, with boldness. God, I pray for everybody today who's joining us all across this nation, maybe all across the world. God, I pray today that you would remind us Lord, of that boldness. God, those things we talked about last week, God, that confidence that, that the Spirit gives us would, would show us where our boldness is. Lord, that comfort we, we talked about a couple weeks ago would show us to our, our the boldness that we have through the Holy Spirit. God, I'm so thankful for the way that you have gifted me. Lord, that you have gifted every single one of us because you have uniquely gifted us to serve the purpose that you laid out for us in your kingdom. God, I pray today. I pray today as decisions about you are considered, God, you would strengthen us. You would give us courage. You would give us assurance that you're with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we come to the conclusion of this today, we're gonna take communion here in a few moments. But I just want to give you an invitation I realize that none of you can run up to me right now, but if you've been thinking about making Jesus the Lord of your life, we're leading into Easter next week. And here's what I'd love to do. If you've been thinking about making Jesus the Lord of your life, I would love to have a baptism service on Easter and we'll do it right here online. You can meet me sometime this next week. We'll take care of it. We can do it right here. We can do it somewhere else. It doesn't matter. But I'd love for Easter, if you've been thinking about baptism, And you live here in Grants Pass, we can do this. If you don't live here and you're thinking about baptism, find a church, find a pastor you can talk to in your hometown. Because I I want all of you to understand what I've come to understand. And that's that God loves you. God loves you. And God went to the cross for you. And as we come to this Palm Sunday, that kicks off what we call the Holy Week. And, And Jesus went to the cross on this Holy Week to redeem and restore your life. So I want to give you an encouragement today. If you would like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, please reach out to me on Facebook, send me a message or email me. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to have a conversation with you. There's no magic formula. There's no magic prayer. There's a conversation that leads to a realization that leads to a declaration. And I would love to have that with you this week. And if you're watching this with somebody and, and, and You know that they've been saved. Men have that conversation with them. If you're watching this with a group, have it with them because we would love to baptize you into Jesus and into the church this next week.